In this week's market update, Wall Street notches up its longest losing streak in a decade. The safe haven dollar trades at a 20-year high, while this week's attention focuses on inflation around the world. Well, shares have started the week on the back foot after Wall Street last week notched up its longest losing streak in a decade. Shares in New York have fallen for five consecutive weeks. That's the worst run since 2011 for the S&P 500 and since 2012 for the Nasdaq. Markets have been characterised by a high level of volatility recently as investors have toyed with buying the dips but invariably lost their nerve and bailed out again. Last week saw markets whipsaw as investors initially responded positively to the Fed's decision to raise interest rates by 0.5% and not the 0.75% that some had speculated. But that optimism was short-lived as bond yields headed to new highs above 3% on the back of rising interest rates and persistent inflation fuelled by the US's red-hot jobs market. Friday's non-farm payroll employment data showed 428,000 new jobs in April, higher than expected. It was the 12th jobs report in a row to show more than 400,000 new jobs and helped fuel a 5.5% rise in average earnings. That was the fourth month in a row of wages rising by at least 5%. The 10-year Treasury bond yield has hit a new recent high of 3.17% as investors have priced in the likely trajectory of US interest rates to an expected peak of perhaps 3.5% next year. The pace of rate hikes more or less guarantees that the Fed will deliver 0.5% hikes at the next few meetings over the summer. This in turn has led to a strengthening of the dollar against rival currencies, with the dollar index, which tracks the US currency against a basket of others around the world, hitting a new 20-year high on Friday. The dollar is rising both because it's viewed as a safe haven at times of economic stress and because US interest rates are expected to rise higher than in other developed economies, where the Bank of England, the ECB and the Bank of Japan are demonstrating much greater caution about hiking the cost of borrowing. Last week, the Bank of England cautioned that the UK economy was likely to head into recession this year, even as inflation hits double digits, a rerun of the stagflation that marred the 1970s. Meanwhile, Europe is more concerned about growth in light of the war in Ukraine and soaring energy costs. And Japan has indicated that it remains wedded to its long-standing policy of rock-bottom interest rates. This week, attention will remain focused on inflation as data is published for April in the US, India, China, the Eurozone and Russia. Ironically, it's possible that this week's inflation print in America could show that price growth has peaked, with economists polled by Bloomberg forecasting 8.1% CPI compared with 8.5% in March. That would still be close to a 40-year high, but it would be the first decline in inflation since last August. More important than the headline figure, which is bound to start falling as energy and food costs start to level out, is what's happening to the core figure. That is expected to have continued rising on the back of double-digit increases in rents, which account for 40% of the CPI calculation. Here in the UK, inflation is clearly a significant problem, but so too is the threat of recession. So this week's GDP figure for the first quarter will be watched closely. 
After growth ground to a halt in February, it's expected to have bounced back to nearly 1% for the quarter as a whole, as COVID-19 restrictions were finally eased. However, the outlook for the rest of the year is less promising, with higher commodity and goods prices starting to have an impact on household incomes and company profit margins, in turn threatening the jobs market. By the end of the second quarter of 2025, the UK economy is expected to be barely bigger than it is today. So, the economic backdrop is tough. The key question for investors is the extent to which this will feed through into corporate earnings, which ultimately are the key determinant of the level of the stock market alongside valuation multiples. The good news on earnings is that with most of the S&P 500's constituent companies having now reported on their first quarter earnings, expectations remain for growth in earnings of around 10% for 2022. That will go some way to offsetting any further squeeze on valuation multiples, which have been falling over the past year or so in anticipation of slowing earnings growth after the post-pandemic recovery in profits. The trailing P.E. ratio, which measures share prices against reported earnings, has now fallen by around nine points, while that based on expected earnings is five points lower at 18 compared with 23 last year. The key question is how much further that might have to go. Comparing the valuation of shares with bond yields suggests that 16 times earnings might be a fair evaluation, which means that earnings will need to keep growing if the stock market is to hold up at current levels. It's this equation that explains the current weakness in the market, but it also suggests that the valuation reset may have nearly run its course. The bigger question then is where we stand in the longer term market cycle. Are we close to the end of the post-financial crisis bull market or still in the middle? Impossible to tell, but history does suggest that there may be a way to go yet albeit at a slower rate of growth and with different market leadership. Between 1949 and 1968, and again between 1982 and 2000, the stock market enjoyed bull markets of 19 and 18 years respectively. So the fact that shares have been rising for 14 years now is not by itself a cause for concern. It's the earlier period which looks like the best fit for today's circumstances, as the world moved into a more inflationary environment in the late 1960s, bond yields started to rise and share prices eventually ran out of steam. The parallel is also interesting in terms of market leadership, because that bull market also showed a rotation from growth stock leadership to more of a value and dividend paying focus. Perhaps the final few years of the current bull market will be characterised by the rest of the market finally playing catch-up with the technology stocks that have led the pack for so long. Although, unlike with the nifty 50 stocks that ruled the roost in the 1960s, the leadership of technology stocks this time has been justified by higher earnings growth. The valuation differential between the tech stocks and the rest is not so great this time, so the underperformance may be less marked this time around. Please be aware the value of investments and the income from them can go down as well as up, so you may not get back what you invest. This information does not constitute investment advice and should not be used as the basis for any investment decision, nor should it be treated as a recommendation for any investment. 
Investors should also note that the views expressed may longer be current and may have already been acted upon. Reference to specific securities should not be construed as a recommendation to buy or sell these securities and is included for the purposes of illustration only. Fidelity Personal Investing does not give personal recommendations. If you are unsure about the suitability of an investment, you should speak to an authorised financial advisor. This podcast may not be reproduced or circulated without prior permission. It is meant for UK residents and does not constitute an offer or solicitation in any jurisdiction in which it may be unlawful to make such an offer or solicitation. No statements or representations made in this podcast are legally binding on Fidelity or the recipient. Issued by Financial Administration Services Limited, authorised and regulated in the UK by the Financial Conduct Authority. Fidelity, Fidelity International, the Fidelity International logo and F symbol are trademarks of FIL Limited.